One more time, if you just slip up your hands and tell the Lord how much you love him. And uh, we've made him plenty welcome here tonight. But let's just one more time tell him how welcome he is. Amen. Holy Spirit, you are so welcome to move and minister in this house. Lord, whatever it is you want to do tonight, we are willing participants. Lord, I thank you in advance for every healing, every miracle, every sign, every wonder, every breakthrough, every detailed word of knowledge. Lord, we thank you for every family restored, every prodigal coming home, every deliverance, Lord. Lord, we thank you for it. Lord, we thank you for those that are in this room right now, those that are watching online. We thank you for them. And God, we thank you for ears that will hear, hearts that will understand. Lord, we just thank you and we give you the praise and the glory. Holy Spirit, we just one more time, we welcome you. In Jesus' name. And uh, those of you that have gift of the Holy Ghost, if you just take a moment and pray in your heavenly language, just for a moment, amen. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Lord, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Lord, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you, Lord. Lord, I just love you. Just a moment longer. Just Let's just press through one more time. Lord, I just love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Jesus, I love you, Lord. Lord, I love you. Amen. Man, it's so good to be here. Um, man, this is just a second family to us. And uh, there's not too many churches, Pastor, that I would attend. I don't mean that wrong, but I mean that. There's not many churches that I go to that I could say I would just, I could go there every week. But River of Life is one of those places. And so I appreciate your pastors so much. Amen. They are such a gift. Uh, we call them offices, the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. But the Bible calls them gifts. So uh, Pastor Scott and Sandy are a gift from heaven, and they're just two of the just most down-to-earth, precious people on the planet. So could you put your hands together and just tell the Lord that you love him and thank him for that gift? Amen. We honor you and appreciate you so much. And it, it's so good to be here. Just a quick ministry update. Um, man, you know, God's just been moving in such an awesome way. And I'll share some testimonies of things God's been doing uh, as, the, as we progress in the service a little bit. But uh, just kind of vision over the next year, um, I've ha always been asked to go to the nations, and we've always had people who would contact us and, and uh, invite us to come. But, uh, oh, about a year ago, the, the Lord, I just, the only way I know to say it, he gave us the okay. You know what I mean? He said, you know, I, it's okay for you to go, because up until this time, I didn't feel a release to go. I wanted to, and I've been to Mexico and Israel and, and Canada, and we've done some things, but... But in this, past, uh, in this past year, God's just opened up a lot of doors. And so in uh, uh, April of this next year, we're, we're taking our first big ministry trip like this uh, to Uganda. 
And uh, actually, uh, Mr. Colton's with me tonight, and uh, going with uh, Colton's dad, and going to spend, uh, uh, oh, I guess we're going to spend about 10 days. And uh, we're so excited about this, but um, we, uh, we just ask for your prayers, you know. We want to make sure we're at the right place at the right time, and doing what God wants us to do. And, uh, you know, pray for good health, you know, and for the doors to be opened, and uh, the right places to go, and, you know, there's a lot of demonic influence, not just when you land, but trying to get to where you're supposed to go, you know, and we want to make sure that we're just covered in prayer, so just, if you would keep us in prayer, we would appreciate that. There were three nations that the Lord spoke to me about, Uganda was one, the other was the Philippines, and then the last one was Argentina. We were just approached by a couple from Argentina, and they want us to come pastor 300 churches open to us in Argentina. 300. We could spend the rest of our lives in Argentina. Now, that's not God's plan for us, you know, but we do want to go. So the fall of this next year, in the middle of everything we have going on, <laughs> you know, we're trying to build our television ministry, and we're adding new, uh, new stations and new channels and doing so much of that. And then in the middle of this, God speaks to us to start enlarging our territory and going to the nation. So, so just if you would pray with us, we really need that. And uh, thank you so much for your generosity. It's always just such a, so amazing. And, uh, but just so you know, that helps us do that. Uh, so we appreciate it so much. We love you and we honor you. And uh, I, I'm so glad God brought me to here. You know, I was telling uh, Colton on the way here, I've been friends with his daddy for a long time. And uh, Colton's just a great preacher and uh, uh, ministers in music and plays drums and keyboard and guitar and just does so many things. And I've been really praying about some help uh, traveling on the road. And, and so it just kind of worked out for him to go with me some. So uh, it's just an honor to have him. And I appreciate his, his mom and daddy. And again, I've known them for a long time. Uh, letting him come with me. They pastor in Mena, Arkansas, which is not too far from me, just about an hour away. So it's just good to have him. And uh, can I get in the Word tonight? Uh, you just open up your heart and open your spirit, and can I just preach a little something to you tonight that I think will be a blessing to you? Uh, let's go to 1 Kings chapter 18. We'll start reading in verse 41. And uh, if you're taking notes tonight, and, and if you don't, uh, jot some things down tonight. I've got, I'm not a point preacher. I never preach a sermon. I, I hope I never preach a sermon in my life. I mean, I believe, I, I know we say that it's terminology. I get it. But uh, I want to preach a message. I want to preach something that I really believe that the Lord's downloaded to me for you. And I always, uh, you know, I've been in full-time ministry for almost 30 years. And in 30 years, I still toil over services Lord, what do you want me to share? Because I want it to be a word that will change people and be a, a, a fresh, on-time word from heaven. And so even as I was uh, sitting over here tonight or standing here tonight, God was still speaking to me about this message that I'm sharing with you. And this is fresh. Is it, can I give you something that's kind of fresh and, and you know, that, that I'm just kind of downloading, heaven's downloading to me right now. And, and uh, you know, uh, when you go to revival, you always like messages that you're, um, you've acclimated to, and it's kind of perfected. And but I, I've learned in my position, I'm, I'm not able to do that. So you kind of get to be the guinea pigs tonight. <laughs> so is that okay? So uh, tonight I want to talk to you about seven prophetic decrees that'll change your life, coming from the book of First Kings, chapter 18. 
And starting in verse 41, and uh, read just a little bit of scripture, and we'll refer back to these later. And Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there is the sound of an abundance of rain. So Ahab went off to eat and to drink, but Elijah jumped, uh, climbed up to the top of Mount Carmel. <clears throat> Excuse me. Bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Go and look towards the sea, he told his servant. And he went and looked, and there was nothing. And he said, seven times, go back. And the seventh time he reported a small cloud the size of a man's hand rising out of the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariots and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black and clouds and the winds rose and a heavy rain started falling. And Ahab rode off to Jezreel. Verse 46, the power of the Lord came on Elijah, tucking his cloak into his belt, and he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Lord, I thank you for this word. I ask that it ministers to us, causes us to be all that we've been called to be in your name. Amen, amen, amen. So verse 41, and we're just going to roll through this tonight. The very first thing is simply this, it's going to rain. It, it's going to rain at some point. Did you guys have a dry season here? We had a, we had a terribly dry season. Uh, last year, m most of you know, uh, maybe you follow us on Facebook, we had lots of animals. We had chickens and goats. And, and uh, you know, that's just a little fun thing that we kind of do with our family. But, but that being said, I, I kind of felt in my heart, you know, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not able to be there as much. Um, our daughter just got married, and she kind of helped with all of that. My son, Benjamin, y'all know Ben. Ben uh, looks like uh, he's going to be moving out soon. He's graduating from college and a lot going on. So in preparation of that, we just decided to sell off all of our animals. Well, it was a good thing that we did um, because, uh, you know, with the drought that we had this year, it would have cost way more to have kept all this stuff than it would have been, uh, you know, to, to get rid of it. So we got rid of it just in time. But, but that be, being said, uh, in the early part of the year, we had floods, so in June, uh, the town my, my son lives in, in Greenwood, literally, uh, there was this, one of our favorite Mexican restaurants just down the road from my son's house was under four feet of water. And we literally went from that to a drought. You know, we had from one extreme, literally one extreme to another. But the thing about rain is it doesn't matter if it's a day, a week, or a year, it's going to rain. And we have to get it in our spirit. Uh, tonight I want to tell you, no matter what your situation is, there is going to come a point when that situation will change. Maybe you've got trouble. There's going to be a moment when that trouble will change. Maybe you need healing. There's going to be a moment where you're going to walk in that healing. Maybe you do breakthrough in your family, but there is coming a moment when that's all going to shift. And for, uh, for years, God's people have been suffering a drought. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost just make in this statement i believe in the church for years we've been suffering a drought uh you know i know this is the river right and is that the river where we get refreshed we get renewed we get restored um and so here you are being the river well you're getting restored refreshed on a regular basis right but that's not every church everywhere around the country there's a lot of dry places but i want you to know the dry places are the best places for revival to break out dry nothing burns better than dry wood and in the in a 
season of dryness, in a season where it seems hard, that's when the wood gets dry, but that's when it just takes a spark. Uh, how many of you know you are that spark? I believe that God's going to send you into some dry, hard places, and you're going to be the start that ignites a fire that changes a generation. I want you to know God's going to use some of you to go into the highways and the byways and set some of the greatest fires that the world has ever seen. During this dry season, they told us, you can't burn anything. Uh, now, now my, I, have a, I have an Amazon box that shows up at my house every other day, if not every day. So in, my, in, in what we call the warehouse, we have got a stacks and stacks of boxes just waiting to be disposed of, just waiting for, for us to be able to start a fire. We got everything we need just waiting and ready to start a fire. But the problem was if we started a fire at the wrong time, it would just engulf everything. I want you to know God is waiting for the right time to ignite a fire, and I believe Jesus just like in 1 Kings chapter 18, that season has drawn itself to us and God's going to use us to start fires in America, start fires right here in Garland, all over Texas, all over America, and God's going to use you to do it. You are the spark that God's going to use to cause fire to ignite, fires of revival that's going to change lives. There are many of you, you're going to feel unctions to pray for the sick and you're you're going to see healings, miracles, signs, and wonders. But thank God for a prophet that stood up and said, I want you to know it's getting ready to rain. We have got to decide it's going to rain no matter what it looks like. You might look at your body and say, "Say, I know I need healing, but I don't feel healed. I don't feel like talking about healing. But that's the moment that you get up and you say, it doesn't matter what I feel like. It doesn't matter what it looks like. I'm already healed. Jesus has already paid the price whether you get healed right now or down the road you got to get ready because your healing is already here somebody ought to say it's gonna rain rain's a prophetic sign of blessing uh i uh one of my favorite quotes actually is from colton's dad tj tj uh came to our church years ago when we were still pastoring and we had a prophetic conference and TJ made this statement, the prophetic is a word or an action that will open heaven over our lives. I want you to know that the prophetic is a word or an action. Sometimes God will tell you to sing a song. Sometimes God will tell you to preach a message. Sometimes God will tell you to give. Sometimes God will do, tell you to do something that's out of the box. But that's how we open heaven over our lives. That's how we stand and say, Lord, I know you've called me to do something's different. I know I'm looking at a culture that doesn't want God anymore. I know that you've got me looking at a culture standing and preaching the gospel and it doesn't feel like anybody is listening at all. But we need to be a generation that rises up and says now is the time for the rain. It's, it's going to rain whether it's now or later, no matter how dry it is. Maybe there's just a sprinkle in the forecast. If it's a sprinkle, then it's rain. Maybe it was just a little bit of rain, but it was rain. But God is getting ready to send a deluge. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking I was at the, the, river, uh, the river church in Bentonville, Arkansas a few years ago. One of our precious partners that... 
uh, been a partner to our ministry ever since. God really connected us through some very detailed prophetic words. But I was walking through the uh, the church on a it was uh, it was a Sunday night, and uh, God was very good to us in that area. We had. Three months of revival that broke out up there in that region. And God just really gave us a lot of favor. But on a Sunday night as I was walking through the church, the, the Lord had me give this couple, this, this was a unique word. I said, I see God fixing your plumbing. Now that sounds weird. That's a weird word. You know, I said, I see God fixing your plumbing. I said, the plumbing in your building, God's fixing it. I didn't know anything about their situation. I didn't know anything that was going on for them. And uh, she started crying and just just began to weep under the power of the Holy Ghost. And, and so I, you know, just kind of continued and I prayed for God to fix all this. And, and then as I prayed, God kind of opened up more of the word and said that he was going to supply the money necessary for them to do what they needed to do. What I did not know is this precious couple has this beautiful rehabilitation center called Nicole's House. Nicole's House, uh, Nicole was a precious girl that died from a drug overdose. And this precious girl, you know, she tried to get her life right, tried, you know, and it, for whatever reason, she always would end up back in drugs. And uh, how many of you know, if not for the grace of God, there could go any one of us, right? She would end up and ended up dying from this terrible overdose. And so they built this ministry based around this precious young girl. Uh, the city came in and said, we're going to shut you down uh, if you don't put in a sprinkler system. Yeah, this, this is weird, you know, this was the plumbing that they needed. They needed $17,000 and had less than five days to come up with it. Now, they'd been working on this for several months to no avail. They couldn't come up with the money, couldn't come up with anything. They just, they're just praying and just believing. But then they get a word. How many of you know one word changes everything? Uh, you might be sitting in the midst of the driest season of your life, but God gives you a word, and that'll give you the fire to get through what you need to get through. You might be sitting than you've ever been in your life but all of a sudden God gives you a word that changes everything God causes pastor to preach one message that will change everything that one word she she came to me after the service told me the story and said I need $17,000 by Friday or they're going to shut us down they've got women that that's where they live that's their home these people have already been through so much now they're about to be homeless but once again God gave them a spark and God was getting ready to ignite a fire it didn't happen on day one didn't happen on day two day three, day four, but on day five a lady walked into their ministry with a check for $17,000 somebody ought to praise God just for a minute $17,000 and gave them the money. They put up their sprinkler system and God gave them a miracle. I tell you that because God lit a fire. God lit a fire. God's getting ready to light a fire in somebody's life. God's getting ready to light a fire in somebody's ministry. God's getting ready to give you the boost that you need for you to do what he's called you to do. It's going to rain. 
Isn't that something how we, uh, how we can have the fire and the rain and how they flow together so perfectly? What the enemy meant to destroy you, God's going to flip it around and he's going to use it to bring reg- uh, revelation to your life. Your first your prophetic decree has got to be no matter what I see, it's going to rain. No matter how hot it is, it's going to rain. And you need to declare it over your life, over your ministry, over your family, over your business. Declare this might be the driest season I've ever had, but it's going to rain. I, uh, I share, Pastor, I share this all the time. This is one of my favorite testimonies. It has to do with the river of life. It has to do with your pastor. I'm sitting at home. This is 2020, Pastor. I don't remember what, what the exact day was. I just came out of a revival in, in, uh, uh, over, in, over in Oklahoma, and uh, this is when COVID hit. And, uh, you know, I remember hearing, hearing some things about it on the news. But the church I was at puts me in this evangelist quarters above the gymnasium. And so I'm held up there. I don't really have a way to watch television. I don't get a good phone signal. I am just away. All I've got is my Bible, my books, my computer and stuff. But I've got no reception. So I don't know what's going on. And so I remember the last day of this revival, my wife calls me and starts telling me some of the crazy things going on and that they're shutting stuff down. And I heard they shut down the basketball games. And, you know, it's just I'm thinking, what is going on? I mean, I'm clueless. I I really don't know. And I follow the news, you know. And so um, I get home and everything's shutting down. And I'm I'm sitting there and and, uh, I started declaring the Isaac Harvest. Because the Bible says that Isaac in, this, in, in a time of famine sowed and in the same year reaped a hundredfold. Man, we got to start declaring no matter what it looks like, no matter how dry it is, no matter how much of a famine is declared, we are not going to experience famine, but we're going to experience a feast. So I'm sitting there and, of course, you know, you know I, don't, I don't know how you're made, but, you know, inside of me, I start thinking, Lord, if. Things start getting canceled. How do I go out and preach? What this is this is how we live. What am I supposed to do? And so all this is going through my head. And at this point, you know, a few days into things, you know, I've gotten some calls from some friends. I've got a scheduled week at home. And uh, uh, but but I haven't really had any cancellations. You know, some adjustments, but no cancellations. So I am sitting on my front porch declaring an Isaac harvest over my life. That is the that is the uh, the gist of it all. And all of a sudden, my phone rings, and it's a it's a meeting I'm getting ready to go to. And I don't remember the exact dates. I'd have to I'd have to go back and look them up. And uh, the 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 pastor says, "Brother Baker, I am so sorry, but our de- it's a large denominational church. He said our denomination has shut down all of our churches." Uh, in in uh, in everywhere, all over America, and they've told us we can't have service until they give us the word. And uh, you know, of course, I mean, what can you do? You know. And I said, man, I thank you so much for calling me. We will just work something out. And here I am, setting up, being trying to be full of faith, right? Saying, God, you're going to make a way. God is going to work out. Saying the right things, doing the right things. And what happens? I get a canceled door. And so I'm just sitting there, and I hang up the phone. And uh, I said, Lord, I said, I'm not going to be detoured. I am not going to give up. I said, I'm going to do what you've called me to do no matter what. So I'm sitting there, and I'm telling you, I'm sitting on my front porch. I didn't didn't go in the house. 
It wasn't five minutes until I get a call from Pastor Scott. And he, this is what he says to me. He said, Brother Benny, what are you doing? And everything in me wanted to say, well, I'm sitting here in the mully grubs right now, Pastor Scott. <laughs> I just had a cancellation and it stinks, you know. That's your flesh, right? I said, man, I'm just sitting here on my front porch. What's going on? And, and I mean, you tell this, you know, because this is a miracle. This is an absolute miracle. He said, the Lord just spoke to me and said, what are you doing on this date? And he gives me the very date that was just canceled. The very date. And I, and I told him what happened. I said, you know, it just so happens that I had a cancellation. And he said, well, Brother Benny, he said, the Lord just kind of put it in my heart that I want you to come in that Saturday. Now, uh, this was before the conferences. This was before anything. Of course, I've always come here uh, for this time of the year. Pastor, I don't know how many years we've done this. I mean, it's been a lot of years, you know. And so it was so out of the box, so out of the blue. And again, I don't know. I, we've never sat down and just said, you know, what did God tell you? I think I want to know now, <laughs> you know. But, uh, but in that moment, but uh, can I tell you, it's because I looked, and even though there was a dryness, I declared that God was going to cause it to rain. If it doesn't rain on anybody else's field, it will rain on your field. If nobody else gets blessed, God will cause you to get blessed. If they hand out pink slips to everybody else at your place of employment, they're going to come to you and bring you and tell you you're going to get a raise. We have got to be a people that stands and prophetically declare in the face of hardship that God is going to make a way for us no matter what. I want you to know that in 2020, in a year of famine, it was the greatest year our ministry has ever seen. The greatest year our ministry had ever seen. In that year, in, in uh, 2020, we had, first of all, we had two millionaires that God raised up in our ministry in that year. Two millionaires. Somebody ought to say, I'm going to be next. <laughs> And I literally mean this. Now, you know, it's, you know, you know, I don't know, maybe not, maybe being a millionaire is not impressive to you. But these people went to bed broke and woke up the next day millionaires. Happened literally overnight. They didn't hit the lottery. They didn't get the Powerball jackpot. What happened was one lady showed kindness to a lady when she was young. Showed her the love of Jesus. She passed away and left her everything. They had been disconnected. Somebody ought to shout right there. You know, first of all, you never know when you're being kind to somebody what they what what God might use that for. This lady literally was a waitress at a at a restaurant, and uh, the uh, the next day they called her, contacted her, and told her that uh, uh, God wanted to bless her. That happened in a year of famine. The other one, same thing happened. Uh, uh, this uh, this. Precious, one of my longest partners, uh, I've known them the longest, I, I was in a TV station in Quincy, Illinois, when they called me and uh, told me that they'd suffered a loss. This precious, uh, precious young lady suffered a loss, and she was the only heir in the family. And one day she was broke, the next day she was a millionaire, multiplied over. Somebody ought to say, I'm in a year of famine, you hear me? If God can do that for them, what can he do for you in a time of famine? We, we went on to have the best year we've ever had in our ministry in a time of famine. Come on, somebody. See, we have got to say no matter what it looks like, it's going to rain. 
the next year, 2020, 2021, we thought we had had our greatest year that we've ever had. I really thought we'd had our best year. I mean, it was really hard to top that. Yet again, 2021, uh, we had New York was shut down to us. The East Coast was shut down to us. A large portion of the churches we go to, 2021, top 2020 being the best year we've ever had in ministry. Uh, I, if I, I couldn't even tell you some of the things that God did. It'd be unbelievable. The doors he opened, the places that we went, the things that we've seen. Not only did we see an increase financially, we've seen an increase in miracles. We saw uh, blinded eyes open, deaf ears open, wheelchairs empty. In a time of famine, you hear me, church? In a time of famine, we have got to be a people that rise up and say, in a time of famine brings me to point number two. I see what nobody else sees. I see potential where no one else sees a potential. I trained my eyes that even though my eyes see something, my mouth is going to declare the word of God no matter what. My eyes might, might see an empty sky. When Elijah told the king, the most powerful man in the world, he looked at him and said, go prepare yourself because it's getting ready to rain. There was no clouds in the sky. There was nothing. There was not the sound. There was not the smell. You know, there's a smell that comes with rain, something that brings refreshing him. You can step outside and you breathe it in and you think, oh, it's going to rain. Maybe you don't see a cloud. Maybe you don't hear the distant thunder, but you know it's going to rain. There was none of that. But the man of God stood in. We need men of God for such a time as this that will stand up and say, I hear revival. I smell revival. I see revival. I hear healing. I see healing. I see breakthrough when nobody else does. It's not that we're trying to build ministries or be popular. I don't need my face on the cover of Charisma magazine. I don't need him writing articles or stories about me. I just want to be a man that was known that I was hungry for a move of God. I want you to know that men of God like Pastor Scott and Sandy are right here in the middle of the thick of things and I want you to know that God's looking at them and because they've tried not to stand out God will cause them to stand out because they've humbled themselves God will exalt them we need to rise up and say I see what nobody else sees I, uh, I've trained my eyes that no matter what it looks like it's going to be okay no matter no matter what I'm feeling in my body right now no matter the torment that's in my mind right now. I, uh, so much of what I do is based on what I see, and yet I don't see anything. Does that make sense? It's based on what I see. I, uh, many times, uh, th th this, uh, this has been an extremely busy season for me. Summer, winter is always kind of a lighter season. I always take, uh, I work very hard just right up to Christmas. I'm gone a lot. And then... I'm home for a little bit, and then the winter time is just a slower time where I'm still out preaching, but, you know, not with the intensity that, uh, uh, that I am during some of the other months. It's just how it works because you don't know. Last year, last January, every meeting that I had scheduled in January got, um, got shut down due to, uh, due to bad weather. Now, that don't always happen, but it happens. We rescheduled. It was okay, you know, but, but those things happen. 
And so I know that that's the time I'm going to use to do. We, uh, we, we have all of our business meetings. We, we, uh, we, I write books. I've got another book that I write uh, during that time that I'm already putting my notes together for now. You know, it's, it's a planned time. Then we know that during the, the rest of the year, getting back up into the, to the summer, summer will slow down a little bit because uh, the month of June, it just slows down a little bit. So that's when we start working on missions trips and projects. And I mean, we, we kind of know the flow, you know. And so uh, this past year, I'm in the middle of the busiest season of my life. Um, I've, in two months, I think I've been home a, just a day here and a day there. This week, I'll go home on, um, when will I get home? Colton and I will drive home and be home Tuesday morning about 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning. And then I will get up at 3 o'clock. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be at home less than 36 hours. I'll get up early, 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 3 o'clock in the morning on uh, Thursday. And then I will get drive to, uh, to Iowa and from Iowa to uh, Indiana, from Indiana to Pennsylvania. And then we work on the last few dates of the year. That's just, our schedule's just been crazy. And so here I am, I am been, I've been to the East Coast and uh, come back through and I'm in Kentucky and this, I get this invitation pastor for one night in a church I've never been to before in South Bend, Indiana. Okay, so from where I am to get home and to make my schedule, you know, it's, it's not a scheduling error because I try to follow the Lord. You know, it's not that I did anything wrong. It's just I'm just trying to follow Jesus and do what he wants me to do. I, this, this gentleman asked me to come. It was the last night of a camp meeting. I've never been there before. I didn't know what I was getting into, you know. And so I'm in Kentucky. I think I'm eight hours from my meeting. So the only way for me to get home and for this to work out is to drive from Kentucky to South Bend in Indiana, uh, Stanton, Kentucky, South Bend, Indiana, and then drive home. I have like a two-hour window in Indiana that I can meet my sister for lunch, which I did. And so I called my wife and I said, babe, I don't know that I should go to this meeting. And she said, well, why not? And I said, well, it's way out of my way. <laughs> And I said, I don't know what I'm getting into. Maybe I should have prayed a little harder before I accepted it. I said, I just, it's the end of a camp meeting. You know, they don't know us there. And so um, my wife, she has this way. She said, now, Benny, you know, you're praying for God to open doors. You know, so, so what are you thinking? And I said, I'm sorry. You know, I said, be honest, I'm tired. And you don't make decisions when you're tired, right? So I said, I'm tired. I said, I've got a lot going on. I wouldn't have canceled it. It's not that that was in the plans. I just, I was just talking. And so the next day I'm praying and the Lord speaks to me. You know what the Lord tells me to do? He tells me, he says, bro, Stephen, he says, this is what I want you to do, Benny. <laughs> he says, I want you to go up there and preach in uh, South Bend, Indiana. He says, don't receive a dime for yourself. He says, you can't take anything away from that meeting. And I said, I bind you, devil, in the name of Jesus. Because, God, you know that's not you. And so I laughed. God didn't think that was very funny. And I said, I said, Lord, I said, you, I can't put up my tape table, nothing. And so um, I said, okay, Lord, I said, I'll do what you want me to do. And then the Lord says, oh, yeah, and by the way, 
I want you to take a generous offering with you when you go and give an offering to the camp meeting for the pastor. And I said, okay, Lord. I said, whatever you want me to do. You know, and I'm serious. I mean that. Whatever God wants me to do. You know, I've done this many times, you know. Uh, this, isn't, this isn't the first time God's talked to me like this, but this was bad timing on God's part, you know. It really was, you know. And so... So the next day I get up, and I think I, let, I, think I got up at 6 o'clock in the morning. I drove to Indiana, had lunch with my sister and my niece, and then drove to South Bend, and then drove from South Bend, Indiana, to Mansfield, Arkansas. It was, that was like 32 hours to do that, to make that trip. You know, and then the Lord had me receive. I had, so the instruction the Lord gave me, he says, talk to him, ask him what their budget is for the camp meeting. And he says, and you make sure that they get their budget. So whatever didn't come in, I had to make it up. You know, and somebody says, why would you do that? You know why? Because I see what nobody else sees. I can do that easily. And, And I know I'm having fun with it tonight, but it's not even a challenge. It's because I see what nobody else sees. Colton, uh, man, I've been giving him a hard time. It's, do you guys do deer camp here? Is that even a thing? I don't know if it's a thing anywhere else in the world but Arkansas. But, man, they may as well shut down Arkansas for the next two weeks because everybody is at deer camp right now. Uh, normally that's where Colton would be, but, but he, uh, he's here with me. And he said, uh, his, I think his sister got a deer this morning. You know, and everybody around him, he's, you know, here he is, you know, with the evangelist, you know. And, uh, and he said his mom is out there, and she's hunting with his gun. He said he can't imagine anything worse than his mom getting a deer with his gun while he's gone, you know. And so we've been having a lot of fun with it. But, uh, but I told him, I said, yeah, I said, but look at all the souls that are going to be changed. Now, I mean, we were having fun, you know, but seriously, look at the, it's because we see what nobody else sees. And I was in, I was in, um, uh, I was there, and this is years ago, oh my goodness. Uh, I was preaching, I was still pastoring, but I was on this, I was on this row of meetings. And I had gone to a lot of different places, and what we do is we always, in the early days especially, we had to make budget. I mean, no matter what, we had to believe for a budget. You know, we had hotel rooms, we had food costs, so we had to believe for budget no matter what. And so we had made budget, and we were praying and thanking God that we had made budget. And I'm sitting in this camp meeting, and the Lord speaks to me and says, I want you to get an offering tonight, son. And I said, okay, Lord. I said, I've got my offering right here, and I had a really generous offering, you know. And it was what I felt like I had prayed, and this is what I felt like the Lord told me to give. And so I said, I've got my offering right there. And he says, is that what you want to give or is that what I want you to give? And then I got real quiet, <laughs> you know. And I said, well, Lord, what do you think? And I thought I heard from you, you know. And the Lord says, this is what I want you to do. He says, I want you to go back to the hotel. That's always a dangerous thing. He says, I want you to go get your money bag and I want you to give everything that's in it. Now, like God doesn't know, right? I said, God, I've got to make budget. I said, I've got hotel rooms that I've got to pay for. I've got all this. And, you know, it's, it's always like God laughs at me, you know. And uh, the Lord said, I want you to go get that right now 
in, in the middle of service, I had to get up and leave the platform and had to get in my car and drive across town to my hotel and get everything. I had to endorse checks that were made out to me and sign them over uh, because it was what the Lord told me to do. Why, why would you do that? That makes no sense. It's because I see what nobody else sees. So in a time of famine, you hear me? When God starts blessing us, <laughs> in a time of famine, and other, other ministries are shutting down, and other evangelists don't have places to preach, and other, you hear me? You, you understand what I'm saying? I was able to prepare for that season years in advance. And when God started blessing us, see, Pastor, when God tells you to hold on to the vision, when it doesn't make sense, it's not beneficial, the, the, it doesn't feel like the people are there, it doesn't feel like God's there, but you hold on until the river breaks outside the banks and it goes into the highways and it goes into the byways and it touches the broken and the lost and the hungry and the needy and it goes beyond the borders of your region and it goes out into the world. It's because you were able to say I can see what nobody else sees I uh, see a cloud that doesn't look like much but I see what nobody else sees I see healing when nobody else sees healings. I see breakthroughs when nobody else sees breakthroughs. I see blessing where nobody else sees blessings. I see families saved where nobody else sees families saved. You know, one of the things that I've learned is uh, you don't give up no matter how big the problem is. No matter how bad the sickness sounds, if it's stage four cancer, God's not looking at that, breaking a sweat, saying, I can't heal that. It's too big for me. He's not looking at a person in a wheelchair saying, I can't deal with that. That's too much for me. But we think that, don't we? See, this is the problem. Because we enter the equation. We start saying, but Lord, I'm the one that's here right now. No, you're not. You are his vessel. And you are a vessel. I want you to know that, that cup you got right there. Is that a coffee cup? But could I put milk in that if I wanted to? Because it's a vessel. It, maybe it was designed for just coffee, but the, the, the master of everything can put whatever they want inside of that cup. But uh, it's got some stains on it. It's dirty. It fell, it fell over during the service. Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter. But when the master decides to use it, he'll put in it what's necessary to bring refreshing to the person that picks it up. Just because you look at that and you think that's big, what you're saying is, I am imperfect. And God can't use me because I am imperfect. That's the moment we've got to raise up and say, I see what nobody else sees. Of course I'm imperfect. But God uses murderers, thieves, robbers, liars. He uses rapists to fulfill his plan on the earth. And if he can use them, we know that he can use us. When we go to pray for people, we think the thoughts I thought of last night. We think the, the things I did when I was younger or last week or the other day. And we think, well, God can't do this because I'm an imperfect vessel. God has always used imperfect vessels. I was, uh, was just in Pegs, Oklahoma just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, the last night of that meeting... They bring in a little six-year-old girl pastor, and she's sick, and 
you know, so much going on in her little life, and the doctors are telling her it's cancer, and and all of this stuff going on in this precious baby's life. I don't know how you are, but if ever, if you could just want anybody to be healed, there's not a better candidate than this. You know what I'm saying? This little girl, the day that she came in, she was so wore out. Pastor, it was the last night of the meeting. I'll be honest, I was tired. I'd been gone a long time. Uh, I went from there to be able to be home. I was ready to be home. Well, I guess I had one more stop, but then I, then I was going to be home. And so uh, uh, that night, you come into that meeting, and every night I'm believing for somebody to get healed. Somebody to get delivered. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Doesn't matter if, it's, if I see somebody I've never seen before or not every night. It's an opportunity for the miraculous, right? This little girl comes in and the, the foster mom, and of, of all things, she's not even with her family. The foster, foster mom tells me the story. And so, uh, you know, uh, I've, I, hear, I hear messages, seminars so much on, on how to pray, right? And those things are good. Don't get me wrong. But do you know the, the prayer that's needed is the one that's needed? The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Pray in faith. Know that God's going to move. I want you to know we prayed for that little baby and, and believed for it. She needed a miracle. And so I, I don't know when it was, but three or four days later, I get a text from the mom and said, I want you to know this little girl they said was riddled with cancer is now cancer-free. I want you to know they didn't operate on her. She didn't take chemo, nothing. She went in and came out cancer-free. It's because we see what nobody else sees. The world would call us crazy and say that that's impossible, but God's looking for people that will stand up and say, I see what, does anybody's faith getting built tonight? Is anybody saying, in my heart, I can see God moving for me where I couldn't before? So, the third thing is, is he said, go tell the king. We've got to tell people. We've got to. I mean, we, we have to. Uh, I know Pastor Sandy was sharing her testimony just, just over the past couple weeks. And, uh, man, I was so excited. I was telling friends about it and encouraging people to tune in because she's sharing her testimony. That's what we've got to do. Her platform, maybe her platform's different than yours. It don't matter. But you have a testimony. Most powerful thing you have is what God did for you. Because he did it for you. You are valued. You are important. You are precious to him. And of all the people on the planet that he could have touched, he touched you. The Bible says, Revelations 12, 11, we, over, uh, we overcome the enemy by the word of our testimony. In the blood of the Lamb, you've got to build somebody's faith. Um, number four, and I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna land this plane in here in just a, just a second. I'm I'm almost done, and we'll shift the order of things. But uh, no, but number four is, and and this is how I put it. This is my interpretation of this. I believe in you. He was telling the servant he could have went and looked. Elijah could have went. And sat and looked. But he realized it was more important that somebody prayed. You want to know the importance of prayer? The power of prayer? Right here. If ever in the Bible we see a moment where prayer is needed. We see a moment where the Bible says, The man of God, one of the most powerful prophets that ever walked this earth, 
So much so we know in the last days his spirit will run rampant throughout the earth. We are, it's also said that he will come back and be one of the witnesses. And instead of looking, he's praying. And he had to trust somebody else to go look. So it makes me think of the night that uh, Peter is in prison. And all of a sudden, his prison door opens up. And the church is praying for the release of Peter, right? And so his prison door opens up. And then the Bible tells us he goes to the, the gate of the prison, and that door opens up. And then and there's an angel with him, and the angel takes him to the gate of the city, and that door opens up. And then he goes to a little garden gate, and he's yelling, Hello, can somebody open this gate for me? After three major gates have opened for him, he is standing at a garden gate less secure, smaller. He could have beat it down all by himself. And he yells, excuse me, can somebody open the gate? And the church is inside doing what? Praying. Praying for what? Peter to get set free. And there Peter stands at the gate, free as a bird. And all of a sudden, Rhoda comes walking out. And says, who's at my gate? And Peter says, it's me, Peter, the guy you've been praying for. And what does Rhoda do? She goes right back inside and says, guys, I think it's Peter. See, we've got to trust, we've got to trust the Rhodas. Maybe she doesn't get it right today, but there's got to be a moment where Rhoda is going to get it right. We have got to have, we have got to trust the people around us. That they will hear from heaven. That they will hear from God on our behalf. Sometimes we trust our mothers, our fathers. We definitely ought to be trusting the five-fold ministry that God has placed around us, right? But sometimes we have got to put our place in a, in a, ourselves in a place of submission where we trust people around us. I've got to be very careful with what I say next that don't have the anointing that we have to go and look on our behalf. We've got to quit giving up on people. Because they're, they're difficult or hard, we've got to quit giving up on people. So I, I'm almost done, but I, I've got to share this. I was praying. I, I wanted to share this testimony tonight. I didn't, know, I didn't know how. And as I was standing here, the Lord says, this is how I want you to share this tonight. I have a friend that lived right over here in Arlington. He had a, y'all like Babe's Chicken House? That's like one of my favorite places, Pastor. I love Babe's Chicken House, you know. And my mouth starts watering talking about it. So right down, for, right across the street from Babe's, he owns a car lot. His wife is a, uh, she's in research for Pfizer. And they lived over here in, in Arlington for years. Every time we went to Israel together years ago. Every time I would come to town, we would meet, me and Greg would go for lunch. If I was somewhere close, he would usually come to at least one night of the services while I was there, or a few nights, you know. He's been a good friend for a long time. About two years ago, he moved away and went to California. He's, he grew up in Oklahoma City and Eufaula and that, that area, that's where he's lived. And then when he got married, he moved here. And, but he's been a diver his whole life. And his dream was to be a dive instructor. So he moves to Los Angeles, California. You know, people are going the other way. He's going from 
Texas to L.A., you know, when most people are going from L.A. to Texas. I mean, literally, that's just what's going on. And so he, uh, I think they gave him his U-Haul for free <laughs> because they need him up there, you know. And so he said um, he's become, he is a dive instructor for this huge outdoor conglomerate up there. And he calls me last week, and he said, you know, I had heard him from him for a little while. It's been, you know, maybe, I think his birthday was the last time we talked, which was like in June. I haven't talked to him since June. And he said, hey, what are you doing? I said, man, you know, I'm this, that, and the other, and I'm in camp meeting. And he said, uh, just some small talking. He says, well, I had something really, um, just these are his words. You got to know, Greg, something really cool happened. I said, man, what happened? And he said, he said, I had gone and was doing a dive with this group, and I went through like I was supposed to and was checking everybody's air. And he says, this one guy was almost out of air. Now, I don't understand any of this, okay? So if you're in diving and I get my, my numbers mixed up, I apologize. I'm just going to tell you as I remember it, but, you know, I don't understand all this. I understand that it's truth I just don't understand the right numbers so if I mess up my numbers I apologize ahead of time he said they're like a hundred feet down and he said that they have to go up in intervals because of pressure okay I mean we've, we've all heard that but he explained to me the places that they had to go he does not have enough air to return to surface and so he has a whole group of people down there that are counting on him and now he's got to deal with this one guy and he said, but he said there was no point where he panicked. They learned how to trade off their, their breathing apparatus. And he said that they took him up. I forget the two, the two places they went. But, it, you know, I think the first, it was 60 feet. They would go back up to 60 feet. And he says that they were changing uh, breathe, the, the, the nozzle for breathing. And he says, and all of a sudden, and I don't know if this guy's a heavy breather. I don't understand these logistics, okay? But all of a sudden, he says... I'm out of air. And he says, and we are too deep to go up. And he says, and when I realize this, he says, once again, I'm not panicking. He says, we're going to have to go to the top, but there's going to be some repercussions from that. He said, but I'm not panicking. But the man that he was with panicked. Greg said he grabbed me and he pulled me back to the ocean floor. So now they have to start all over again. And he says, here I am at the bottom of the ocean, no air, and this man's holding me down. He says, my training, they tell us in these instances that if we don't get away from them, they'll kill you and themselves. And he said, so here I am. I, I, he says, this is what got me. He said, it never occurred to me to leave him. Greg said, there's never a moment I said, I'll leave him behind, I'll go to the top, I'll save myself, and, and put this behind me. He says, there was never a moment where I thought that. He said, while he was kicking me, and as he was fighting me, he said, the only thing I could think was, how do I get this man back to the surface? And he said, finally, I was able to grab him, and I start swimming, uh, swimming back to the surface. He said, I had to pass every checkpoint. He said, you know, we're going to get whatever the sickness is that they get. He says, I'm pulling him up. And he says that he's fighting me the whole way. And he says that, you know, he says, I'm at the point where I, I want to give up. He said, but I press through it and I 
pulled and I pulled. He says, all of a sudden, he says, I felt blood coming up. And he said, I get to the service, and he says, now at this point, he's spitting and coughing up not just water, but blood. And he pulls this guy up, and immediately they come up, and and they come around him, and they pull him into the boat. And he says, they have to put me in the, the decompression chamber for like eight hours. And he said, while I'm in there, I meditated on this. And you know, there's a moment after that kind of intensity, you just break. And he says, I've got eight hours. And he said, it's, it's an amazing feeling to know that you could have let somebody die. But it's even a different feeling to know that you saved somebody's life. And I began to think about at any time he could have let him go. That man would be dead today. But Greg wouldn't let him go. And in that moment, I began to think about me and my life. And I began to think, how many times did Christ do that for me? How many times did he grab me out of the muck and the mire of my life and my vain imaginations and my worthless thoughts and my giving up and my rejection of others and my being rejected and all the smut and filth and things that we carry around with us our whole life. But somehow God loves us enough to keep pulling us until he gets us to a place where we can get our breath again. And I'm so thankful that God did not give up on me. And Greg said, I spent eight hours in that decompression tank. He said, after eight hours, I had to go to the hospital and they had to start running all these tests on me. And he said, as they start running these tests, he said, they started checking my heart and I had to do this stress test and all this stuff. And, and he said, all of a sudden they found something while they was doing this stress test. And he he said, then they came and they ran these more to other other tests. And he said that they ran some kind of thing up through his leg and into his heart. I don't understand any of this, but but he, you know, I understood the the I understood the process, but don't under, I've never been through it. You know what I'm saying? And so he said that they found something, and the doctor comes in and said, Greg, we're gonna have to do surgery on you. And he proceeded to tell him, he said, if we had not found this in six months, you would be dead. And he said, in that moment, I broke because this whole time I thought he, I saved him when the whole time he saved me. Friend, I want you to know you might be in a situation where it feels like you don't know how you're going to get out of this. But God is about to flip the script. And God's going to use that thing that the enemy thought would destroy you to make you the person that God has called you to be. Maybe you went through something as a child. God's going to give you a testimony that's going to set people free. Maybe you went through a sickness. God's going to give you a testimony that's going to set people free. We need to stand and declare, I believe that you will get me out of this water. Thank God that man, even though he fought, even though he smacked and kicked and pushed for somebody to believe in somebody enough to pull them out. Uh, don't let go. It's easy to trust God, but man, it's tough to trust others. I preach a message. I've only preached it twice. And it's I meditated on it while I thought of this. But I preached on Mephibosheth and David. And there's strange dynamics between Mephibosheth and David. But you really don't know hurt until you've been hurt by somebody that carried you. Mephibosheth was wounded by a nurse who loved him and tended to him and carried him. And as she carried him out the door 
to get him to safety, she dropped him and he was maimed for the rest of his life. See, we don't understand real hurt until we've been hurt by somebody that carried us. Uh, we got to trust God, but sometimes trusting God is letting God use others. Yeah, I know that that can be tough. False expectations are the parents of disappointment. When we've got false expectation for others, we're going to be disappointed. If you expect somebody to be there every breathing moment of your life, then you've got false expectations. Um, I'm going to move quickly. Number five. Elijah said, I'm going to run like I have never ran before. Man, I'm going to run. I'm going to run this race faster, harder than anybody else. Once again, I am not going to give up. I'm tired. I'm weary. I've been through so much, but I am not going to give up. I'm going to get ahead of this storm. Some of you, you're going to run so fast that you're going to get ahead of the storm. Get ahead of the storm. Um, just just the other night, we were in camp meeting. And we were actually at Colton's church there in Mina. And I wasn't preaching that night, you know. I just but whenever I'm in conferences and camp meetings, I always come. But man, there was there were storms all around us. And uh, as we were leaving, you know, it was just starting to rain. And when I got home. We saw some debris in the front yard, but, you know, we'd, we'd heard some tornadoes had touched down. There'd been a lot going on all around us. But, you know, we just, we always believe for the best. But when I look back, my lights were out on my barn. And so, once again, I didn't think too much of it. My, my thought was, man, that wind has blown my lights off that barn. And so I'm going to have to get out. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm not, I'm too busy. I don't have time for this, you know. So the next day, you know, from my bedroom window, we can see the, the property. And the next day when I get up and I set up and looked out that window, my lights were perfectly attached to the barn. It just so happened that the whole barn was gone. And so we had had a tornado touch our property. And you can see just where a, just like just a finger went through that south side of our property, picking up shelters and equipment and, and throwing it everywhere. And we had this one, this, one, uh, this one little garage that was in the neighbor's field across the highway from us. But we were ahead of the storm. You know, of all the times I had my two grandbabies with me, of all the times, you know, we weren't even home. You know, and somebody said, well, well you know, wouldn't you have liked to have been home? No, you know, I'm, I'm glad we weren't there when that happened because it could have been a lot worse. You know, but... God will let you get ahead of the storm. You're getting ready to run like you've never ran. Number six, this is very similar to, to number, uh, number, uh, number, uh, number two. But it's, I hear what nobody else hears. I'm hearing what nobody else, because Elijah made the statement, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. In a time of lack, he said, I hear abundance. So over here in Orange, Texas, there was a gentleman that I, I, I met him, uh, I guess, about two years ago. And he used to do military contracts for the United States government, and he would paint ships. So whenever they had 
a boat that needed to be painted, you know, that was connected to them. And, of course, I'm sure there's all kinds of regulations and logistics and red tapes to this. But they would hire their company to come in. This turned into a multi-million dollar business. And as the government does, it changed its process. My friend recognized that this was changing. And he knew that he was going to have to change his business structure in order to keep his people employed. I don't remember how many employees he had at this time, what his payroll was. And so he's praying on this. And as he laid in his bed one night, God spoke a word to him. And he heard what nobody else heard. And in the middle of the night, he heard God say fabrication. One word. Just one little word. Man, that wouldn't mean much to me. That wouldn't... God gave me a revelation on the word. I know the word. You know, that would have meant something to me. If he'd have talked to me about my kids, my family, my wife, that would have really meant something to me. But fabrication wouldn't have meant anything to me. But this meant something to this man. It just so happened that he had some experience. His family did some fabrication. And he was looking at a building the other day. And it had some tools and some things that could be used for fabrication. And so he so believed that God had spoke this to him, he started taking the money out of his other business and putting it in fabrication. Long story short, the government pulled all of his contracts and his entire business shut down. But because he heard the voice of God, because he heard what nobody else was hearing, and he sat down in the middle of the night in his little prayer journal that he kept beside his bed, he went to fabrication. Today, right now, his his payroll is over a million dollars a year. Not only did he save every employee that he had, But because he heard what nobody else heard, he added more employees and was able to add more jobs and do more. See, sometimes God will speak to us. We think, oh, well, God, why would you let this happen? Why is this? When my friend, all this happened to him, he was drugged to the bottom of the ocean, and he came up spitting up blood because he had lesions in his lungs. Uh, You could look at that and say it's the devil trying to kill him, but the whole time it was God getting him in a position where he could put him alone for eight hours to hear his voice one more time. Sometimes we've got to recognize I gotta be willing to hear what nobody else hears. Everybody else hears lack, but I can hear the sound of abundance. And lastly, number seven, look again. Look one more time. You didn't see fruit out there, but look one more time. I was, uh, I'm almost done. Pastor, if we have some music we could put on or or whatever we would do right now, I, uh, Colton, if you'll take this for me, please. I had, uh, I had gone out, and I had taken, uh, we had went and got a, a tiller, and we went and we took, oh, I don't know, maybe about a 2040 spot back between two barns, a nice sunny place, access to water. We went out, and we got some fertilizer, and we dumped it all over that area, and we went, and we got this tiller. Pastor, I spent the whole day tilling that ground. I went and I prayed and I said, God, I said, uh, I've done my part. I said, now I need seed. I said, Lord, I said, I'm believing you today for seed so I can plant seeds in my ground. That's how I was, I was believing for plants and seeds. 
I had a lady call me and ask me to, that same day, meet her at Walmart and said, I want to give you some money for whatever you want to use it for. Well, I felt like well, that's God. So she gave, I showed up at Walmart. She gave me $100. I went in and went, went to Walmart, a couple other nurseries in that area. I bought tomato plants, cucumbers. I bought bell peppers, red peppers, jalapenos, all this stuff. I got plenty of room. Uh, bought, bought some corn, going to plant some corn, some tomatoes and some uh, uh, watermelons and pumpkins and got it all. Then had one row dedicated. I read where Arkansas was one of the best places in the world to grow uh, sweet potatoes and, and potatoes. I planted this big old garden and then a couple weeks the rain came. Washed it all away. I am out there in the middle of a rainstorm trying to catch these plants and keep them in the ground, doing everything I know just to keep that stuff in the ground. So the next day we get up and it's, it's gone. It's a total loss. I've, I've invested at this point hundreds of dollars into this garden, not counting the hours of labor. And here I am, nothing. Not one tomato, not one cucumber. It's all, it's all washed away. Maybe, maybe the potatoes would grow. They never did, by the way. But maybe at this point, maybe they will. And so, um, you know, I, I go down the road, and this is, this is the, you know, the middle of summer. You know, in Iowa, we would get one harvest a year. You, you guys, do you guys get a couple harvests? We, we can get, a, we can get a two harvests a year. So we can get a harvest off of our plants, and then, you know, later when all of our stuff would be freezing and stuff and I would get another another harvest. So I didn't get anything. So in the middle of summer, I'd go down to this little produce stand and just down the road from my house, I mean, two, three miles. And they've got cucumbers and watermelons and all this stuff. And I go and, and I'm looking at this stuff and I said, a lot of this, those folks get stuff from Texas, from you guys, and they sell it up there, you know, because your season's just a little different than ours and you're ahead of us. And so I said, you get this stuff from Texas? And she laughed and said, no, we grow it right out there and showed me her garden. She's got this big, beautiful garden out there, plants everywhere. And I said, we planted a garden. She said, oh, yeah? And I said, yeah, we didn't get anything. And she said it was the rain, wasn't it? And I said, yeah, I tore up everything. You know, that, that you know, I, she said, yeah. She said, we got those rains. I said, did you lose stuff? She said, yeah, we lost almost everything. And I said, but where'd you get all this? And she says, oh, we planted again. We planted again. We had the faith to go out and plant again. I just kind of stood there and hung my head, you know. And was like, okay, Lord, you didn't have to make it so obvious. So there I, and, and she looked at me and she said, in fact, we lost everything twice and had to plant a third time. But we, were, we weren't going to give up. We were going to plant again. So let's fast forward to that summer. Same time, one of those watermelons that that lady gave, that we bought from that lady. Man, nothing, I don't know about you guys, nothing beats a good old-fashioned homegrown watermelon. So at this time, we have goats out in our back, back pasture. So I take all the watermelon rinds and all the, anything that we didn't eat, and I take them out there and I throw them to the goats, and they tore it up. And then when pumpkins, we had pumpkins, did the same thing. Took all of our decoration pumpkins and stuff and went and threw them out in that backfield and the goats ate them. Fast forward to July of the next year. I go out and I'm 
you know, the, the goats are in a different part of the field and or a different pasture and they're grazed and I'm out there with the tractor. And all of a sudden I hear thump, thump. And I hop off my tractor and I start walking around and thinking, what did I hit? I want you to know I hit the biggest old watermelon that you could ever imagine. Just growing right there out in the middle of nowhere. I never planted it. I never tended to it. I never, I never watered it. It's just there. And I and I went down and I looked at it. Now you gotta you gotta understand me. I was so excited about this demo watermelon that I went, I brushed the top of it off, and I just stuck my hand down in it and I pulled a big old chunk of that watermelon out and ate it. Now I don't know if it was good because it was mine or if it was good because it was really good, but that was the best tasting watermelon. I start walking through there and I got a whole row of pumpkins and I got a whole row of watermelons. I pick this stuff up. I'm, I got, you know, arms full, you know. I'm walking them up to the house. I walk in, set them on the counter and she said, where'd you get that? And I said, you're not going to believe this. And in that moment, the Lord spoke to me. And he says, I'll cause you to reap where you hadn't even planted. Sometimes we got to have the faith. I could have just mowed right over there been the end of it. Sometimes you got to have the faith to be able to see what nobody else is seeing. So just slip up your hands for a moment. Holy Spirit, as, as I have been faithful to preach the word that you've told me to preach, Lord, I thank you for ears that heard your word tonight. I thank you for seven prophetic declarations that's going to change our lives. And God, I release these words over your people tonight. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name. Go ahead and stand up on your feet. Lord, I just love you and I praise you. Lord, I praise you, Jesus. Lord, I just love you. I love you. I love you. Lord, I love you. Jesus, I love you, Lord. I just love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. If you would, just press in for a moment. I am, um, and I asked ask Melissa to help me remember to pray for everybody and pray for everybody online so help me remember to do that but um, I can't get away from this I haven't been able to get away from it all, all night and uh, man I I just want to release this and if this is you and if, if you can if you can respond to it you need to but this week God's dealt with me about deliverance all week I know I'm preaching to the home crowd tonight, and I don't know if this is somebody online. If you're online and this is you, I need you to respond to this. Let us know this is you. But man, as sure as anything, I'm sitting in my truck today, and I smell tobacco. I don't know the last time I smelled tobacco. Just a weird, out of nowhere kind of thing. And then I'm standing over here, and I smell it again. And I'm just thinking, that's just weird. I don't smell cigarette smoke. I smell tobacco. And so instantly, you know, my mind working the way it does, I just felt like there must be somebody that needs deliverance from that. So if that's you, and I weathered this and said, Lord, you know, what if nobody responds? You know. And then it's like the Lord dropped in my spirit. He was like, but what if somebody says, Lord, if I need a breakthrough and you'll have that preacher mention it, I'll, I'll get freed enough. So, you know, and I know I'm preaching to a home crowd tonight, but in the chance that this preacher hasn't lost his mind, 
and that's you tonight, I, I would like you to, to respond and say, Brother Benny, that's me, and I, I need some help. I need some help with that. I've been asking the Lord to help me. So uh, so tonight, if that's you, just, you know, if, if you can do it, if, it, listen, I, I believe in public confession. I do, but I know sometimes these things are just really personal. And if you need to pull, you know, come aside, I'd be glad to do that. I'm sure Pastor would. But tonight, if, if you could just say, you know, yeah, that's me, and I need some help with that, and just come forward and say, that's me, just real quick. If you could do that, that'd, be, that'd build somebody's faith tonight. So, so if that's you, I'm going to give you just a moment before I move to other things. If it's you online, can you guys see if anybody comments online or anything? Make sure, make sure that if you're watching online and that's you, um, amen. I want to give you a moment. Amen. Dear Lord Jesus, now I've done exactly what you told me to do. Now it's now it's up to you to move on your people and their hearts, Lord. I know that there's somebody here that is in need of deliverance, Lord Jesus. Lord, whatever it is, Lord, I, I thank you. Lord, if it's if it's just nicotine, if it's marijuana. If it's cigarettes, I, I, you know, we live in a culture where it's not just cigarettes anymore. It's vaping and nicotine and so many other things. There's someone online, um, Dolores. Anyway, she said that, um, please pray for her daughter, Jamie. Just came back to church and needs to be delivered from cigarettes. Awesome. Amen. Amen. So, and what's her name, Dolores? Dolores. The daughter's name is... Jamie. Jamie. Okay, so Jamie. Anybody else? There's anybody. If there's anybody here in this room, if if that's you, it, maybe it's vaping. That that might be what it is. But but that's that's if that's you and you're praying, Lord, I need help with this. Uh, tonight's your night. Tonight's your night. Amen. So Lord, I just thank you, Lord. Could to give it just another moment? Lord, I just love. Don't don't. You know, I know we get ashamed. And we've all been there, but the night I got saved, I was listening to Miss Sandy share her testimony. What month did you get saved in in 93? June. I got saved in March, March the 2nd. It was a Tuesday night in uh, 93. I mean, I, I had gone to church, you know, and some other things had happened, but that was the night I got filled with the Holy Ghost and everything changed. That night I pulled into that ch church. I was driving my uh, 1979 Z28 Camaro I had a pack of uh, Marlboro Reds in the visor I went into that service that night God completely set me free changed me forever and from then till now I've never gone back to that you know and I didn't even ask for deliverance I, didn't, I wasn't even seeking it God just did it gave me a package too. Amen. so we're going to pray for Jamie here in just a moment but I'm going to just ask one more time up. There's anybody here that'll say, Brother Benny, that's me. Um, that's you. Just slip up your hand real quick. Amen. Is it you? Amen. I, can you come up here? I, I thought it was. Amen. Pastor, if you'll come. Yeah. Amen. If we have some needless. Amen. I appreciate you. Thank you for coming forward. 